everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So the very first drama that I wanted to talk about this week is Tunnel. So Tunnel came out in 2017, which I feel was like a really excellent year for K-dramas in my opinion. I feel like I saw some of, you know, my favorite sort of long-time favorites came out that year. Um, Tunnel for me is a major standout. I think it's it's so good. It's excellent. Um, it's So it stars Chae Jin-hyuk. Uh, who's one of my favorite actors, as I've mentioned before. It also stars um, Lee Yu Yong. So I've seen, this was the first time that I saw her, the actress, uh, Lee Yu Yong, but I did see her in quite a few things since then, so I think she's doing quite well. Um, Tunnel is an OCN drama, and I think OCN have really kind of made a name for themselves for delivering these really moody, very gritty, dark dramas I guess that I think um, are very very stylish which is not something I think I traditionally sort of associate with all Korean dramas but particularly OCN I think have sort of pioneered that very noirish stylish look but I think they also they're pretty deep and dark and I don't know what it is like I don't know why it is that they don't I don't want to say censor things the same way that other maybe major channels or whatever do, but I guess um, they don't seem to hold back as much, you know, and I've always been slightly fascinated by the censorship that I see in Korean dramas, as in you see some really intense things and then other times they'll blur out a knife that someone's holding um, when they're, you know, threatening to kill somebody. And I just, I find it really interesting and I don't really understand why you can watch a really intense say drama like this one tunnel which is about a serial killer and is really gritty and scary and you often see dead bodies um you know on screen in this show but you know in other shows like this and yet you might be at some other point watching a show and someone's like hey back off I've got a knife and the knife is literally blurred out so you can't see the blade like you're gonna get what more disturbed by you know, a blade than you are by the dead freaking raped body of a woman in a field. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. It's interesting, um, but I don't have any answers. Um, one thing that is very interesting and a little bit scary about the Korean drama Tunnel uh, is that it is actually based, well, inspired by a true story. So there is this very, very famous case uh, from, I guess it must be the 1980s um, in Korea, 
uh, where a serial killer was rampaging around for many years, raping and murdering women um, of all ages. And no one ever came close to discovering who it was who did it. And that particular case is very famous to the point of inspiring many different um, quite famous adaptions as well. So Tunnel is one of them, which came out in 2017, um, but also Signal. Um, I haven't yet watched the K-drama Signal, even though, you know, it's supposed to be amazing, Um but I haven't got around to it and I didn't realise that that was also based on the same case. So that's very interesting. Um, also, uh, Gabdong, The Memories of a Murder, which is starring Lee Joon. Um, again, I haven't watched that one. And then potentially the most famous one, um, the Korean movie Memories of Murder. So Memories of Murder is, of course, a Bong Joon-ho film. He's the director and he is, you know, absolutely famous these days for doing gosh so the host uh okja parasite snowpiercer and a whole bunch of other insanely famous movies i know that his movie um memories of murder which i haven't seen uh is supposed to be like extremely devastatingly intense like it is supposed to be very very difficult to watch I think maybe in terms of I'm not sure if it's graphic content um, but I think it's also about dirty cops and maybe just the mishandling of such a famous case because the truth is um, you know the person who did these terrible crimes was never discovered. So um, the true story I guess is that in uh, so it's let me try and pronounce this, Gyeonggi province in 1986 so I think that's when the body of the first woman was discovered and you know I'm reading this here gross um brutally raped and murdered and then um, a few months later more started happening so they all happened I believe um it said within like a two kilometer radius and the victims ranged from being you know a 13 year old girl to a woman who was over 70. So it's completely horrifying. But the thing that's really interesting, I guess, and probably why it's inspired so many adaptions of the story is it really happened in a time, you know, the 80s when I think it's hard to imagine now, but serial killers and the idea of serial killers, it, it wasn't an obvious solution like back then you would have a series of murders like this and it might take you a really long time to realize that they're connected in a way that as a modern person who perhaps consumes you know true crime fiction on podcasts and watches every you know drama and American show ever that is about serial killers you know this this kind of thing is very fascinating to I think modern audiences but it means that we all have this you know really obvious understanding of what a serial killer is and what they do and how that might work and what might you know what in a crime might point to the fact that it was um, you know performed by a serial killer but you know back in the 80s in Korea that wasn't necessarily the case and this is why I suppose in perhaps um, the movie Memories of Murder it is about kind of the mishandling of it the the way that it was just botched so that you know the killer couldn't be found um, but also I think in Tunnel they kind of go into that um, the idea that it it 
they don't really do a fantastic job in investigating it in the 80s. And it takes them too long to understand that these crimes are connected just because it isn't an obvious solution back then, which, you know, as a modern audience person, that is a fascinating and strange thing to be, you know, kind of be shouting at the screen like, guys, the the crime is so similar. It's in the same area. Why wouldn't it be the same person, you know? But um, it kind of reminds me, I'm not sure if anyone's seen the American TV series called Mindhunter, which is set in the 70s and is um, basically about certain people who worked at the FBI at that time. It's based on, you know, inspired by true story again, about the idea of naming serial killers and understanding the psychology behind that kind of thing. And Previous to that, it wasn't really something that had been studied or was common knowledge or that people understood. And that's not to say that there wouldn't have been serial killers. And of course, there is. Everyone's heard of Jack the Ripper and, you know, all this kind of stuff goes back to probably as long as humans have been around. There's probably been this kind of awful shit happening. That's just the way the world is. But it's very interesting that... um, you know, we as people didn't really get our heads around it as a possibility until, you know, if, if you imagine that in America, the FBI, cutting edge FBI, were just discovering the idea of serial killers and what that meant in like from the 70s onwards. So, you know, in the 80s, in rural Korea, like, you know, we're thinking agricultural fields and just middle of nowhere and, you know, I don't think the local cops at that time would have been particularly equipped to make those kind of connections, which is very interesting. So I guess um, I'm not going to go into the story too much other than, you know, serial killer, loads of people getting murdered absolutely horrifically and a kind of a blustering cop played by uh, Che Jin Hock, who is amazing in this as he always is I think he's such a solid actor he's so good um it's an interesting show because it does have some very dark content but he as a character is you know he's a little bit he's a bit brusque and he's quite amusing um you know he's a cop in the 80s so he he's kind of operating in a very different kind of way than people would in 2019 you know he's very old school and he's all about you know, his, his gut, basically. He's not about forensic evidence or things like that, because again, you know, that wasn't so readily available um, as it is now. Um, and so he, he's very much, you know, someone who just acts on his gut and he just goes for it. But of course, the twist in Tunnel that makes it different, um, not from all those shows, because Signal sort of deals with this a little bit too, but the twist in Tunnel is that it is a time travel drama. And that is... You know, it could have been cheesy. Like, what an interesting idea to mix such a dark, serious murder case with a time travel kind of theme, which, to be honest, does lead to some hijinks. And this is the one thing about time travel that I think is a staple. You know, the fish out of water, the person from the past who ends up in the future and has to, you know, deal with the world. And usually that is very, very funny. Like, you know, seeing someone you know, see a huge city or see a freaking iPhone or, you know, just seeing the technology or trying to deal with people as they are in, you know, now in 2019. 
is, or, you know, back then, whenever this was filmed, 2017, you know, it's such a, a funny thing. And I've seen that used, you know, over and over again in movies and dramas. Um, one that's kind of coming to mind straight away is John Woo Chi, uh, which is a Korean film starring Kang Dong Won. And he's, you know, he's a magician from the Joseon dynasty who turns up in modern Seoul in the city. And it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious seeing him fumble around and be an idiot about everything because he doesn't know what anything is. Um, and of course the time jump isn't as extreme in tunnel and there is a little bit of amusement Um, I think more consistently throughout the drama I think it's the amusement that comes from the time travel is more about Che Jun-hyuk's detective's reactions to the people around him like his his relations I think more not socially but his work relations the relationships that he forms are very interesting because he's from a different time so it's less about you know isn't it funny how he's reacting to the modern world and a little bit more about how it's just harder for him to relate to people because he's from a different time and he acts in a different way and I thought that was in itself an interesting twist but the absolute most interesting and unique thing that Tunnel does with time travel that I just can't think that I've seen before, even though it seems really obvious, is I feel that the writers of Tunnel took the idea of time travel and they sat down and instead of being like, how could we make this interesting for viewers or what about this could be funny? They sat down and thought about time travel and said, what would it really feel like? to jump forward in time 20, you know, 30 years. What would that feel like? And you know what it would feel like? It would feel fucking isolating. It would feel so devastating. You know, in this show, we see Che Jun-hyuk's detective character go back to the neighborhood where he lived with his wife who was pregnant and everything is different. His home The life that he knew, the world he knew has been wiped clean. And it is about grief. Um, And I think it's such a fascinating angle to take with time travel, which I just haven't seen done so much before. I think usually it's played for laughs. And of course, there's a little bit of that in this. But I think on the whole, it's played in this very like, if that really happened to you, how would you feel about it? you know, you probably wouldn't feel that good about it because it means that everyone you loved is probably dead, you know, or they've lived their whole life without you. And in Che Jun-hyuk's case, you know, his wife has had a baby without him and waited at home and he never came back. And that child grew up without him. Like that concept to him is horrifying it is grief it is losing what was meant to be his you know his role in their lives as husband and father was something that belonged to him and it's something that has been taken away by you know the time travel through this tunnel and it is such a thoughtful and oh I guess moving approach to to time travel I just loved it I thought it was really clever And I think as a writer of stories, it's something that I often kind of try to do. And I always really appreciate, um, you know, films and movies that that do that, that take a concept that has potentially been used a million times. But think about it from the angle of if this was real, if this could really happen in our world, 
and it happened to somebody, how would that really be? How would that person really feel about it? And I think it it really gives a fresh take to stories when you approach them in that way. Um, Even to the point of, you know, like, I guess superheroes and stuff. If you lived in a world where people were really able to do the things that, you know, all the Marvel superheroes can do, what would that world really look like? I mean, it's a fascinating idea. What it would really look like is probably, to be honest, a whole bunch of people would worship them like gods. And if they wanted to take over the world, they probably could. You know, it's a very interesting thing. And of course, you know, that's not the angle that every blockbuster is going to take and nor should they. They don't have to do that. But I do really appreciate when I come across stories that you can tell the writers have very thoughtfully approached a topic, um, you know, in this case, time travel and thought, what would that really feel like to this character? So I really, really appreciated that. So, of course, um, you know, he goes into the future and it's very interesting. He's sort of, you know, through these different circumstances, this detective um, manages to sort of um, end up back in the police force under a different name. Um, a, a poor young dude who like basically gets killed which was shitty but anyway <laughs> not that that was uh, Che Jin Hyuk's character's fault and he ends up working with a lot of prickly difficult people as well as a psychologist lady who's been brought in you know she studies serial killers and stuff so she's um she's very disconnected from the world very removed has a very tragic past and he you know he befriends her and he slowly sort of I guess just becomes friends with her and uh, genuinely develops a relationship where he's fond of her and he's caring for her, um, not in a romantic way at all. And of course, it turns out that it's his daughter grown up, which is, again, horrifying because she's lived such a terrible, awful, tragic existence without her parents and all these terrible things have happened. And for Che Jin Hyuk, it is just devastating. You know, this is, the woman is this, you know, used to be what was going to be his little girl that he wanted to protect and look at her now. Like it's horrifying. Um, So the drama deals a lot with you know, deep emotion and these kind of different relationships and all the while trying to solve this serial killer case, which is very dark and very gritty and very moody and very noirish because it's an OCN drama. It is just, it's fucking fantastic. It's really, it's such a solid, twisty, awesome show. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about it. I would definitely suggest um, if you like, you know, if you like any of these kind of, you know, crime or those procedurals or serial killers or just cool kind of stylish noirish dramas, then this is a fantastic one for you. Um, I'm, I'm only going to mention a, like kind of one other thing. Um, so Che Jin Hyuk obviously leaves his wife behind. Um, and his wife in this drama is played by Lee Shia. Hmm. Yes, that must be her name. Uh, so Lee Shia is actually an actress that was also in Maids. So Maids is the drama that I've talked about um I think last week, gosh, I can't remember already, uh, which is a historical, you know, Sagok drama. And in Maids, this actress played the most poisonous, 
evil, awful, terrible character that I've ever seen in my life. And I actually, I think, watched Maid directly before I watched Tunnel. And I hated this actress because of, you know, this role that she played, which of course is absolutely not her fault. And she obviously did an incredibly good job <laughs> to make me dislike her so much. And in this, she plays Che Jin Hyuk's wife. And as the drama progresses and Che Jin Hyuk is navigating his way around, you know, modern soul and still trying to solve this mystery and trying desperately to get home and being unable to do so, which is just, you know, it's devastating. It's very sad. His wife, meanwhile, is just sitting at home. You know, she's pregnant and she's alone and her husband has just been, you know, he's been investigating a serial killer case and he has just disappeared off the face of the earth. Like it is horrifying. And again, the drama treats, you know, treats her as a character. She's not by any means a main character in this drama, but they treat her experience of being left behind and not knowing what's happened to her husband. I think they treat it very thoughtfully and sensitively and it's very, very moving and very sad. And there's one scene in this drama where Che Jin Hyuk finally, finally, you know, I, I don't even know when it happens, maybe halfway, three quarters of the way through, he manages to get back to his own time and he sees his wife again. And I just thought it was interesting because, you know, his wife isn't a major character in this drama. Romance is definitely not a focus in this show at all. Um, and yet there is this scene, the, the reunion scene between the couple when, you know, the husband finally comes home after all this time that she's been, you know, very fearful that he's probably dead. And he walks in and they see each other. And I loved it. You know, they both basically just break down crying and sobbing and she's like thumping his chest and then, you know, they kiss and it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. And I just... I don't know. I think it was so effective because the show had really, even though we hadn't seen them on screen together that much, like I wasn't invested in their relationship because I'd seen them get together or this was a really long drama about them, you know, getting married or anything. But because the drama had showed their grief over losing each other separately. You know, it had spent time with each of those characters, really exploring the depths of the horror they felt at losing their partner, that seeing them, you know, be reunited is such a, like such a heavy, solid and satisfying moment in the drama. And it's so emotional. And I just think it's very interesting that, you know, even without spending that time on them as a backstory, it could still be so emotional. You know, like sometimes you spend a whole drama with characters and then you see them kiss and get back together and you feel nothing. Um, so I, I think it's really, I, I think that's really about the writing of the show. And I think the writing of this show is just, I think it's really, really good, you know, to, to make such a solid emotional big deal out of, it is an important scene, but I think mishandled, it could have just been a blip of eh, nothing, you know, but because we saw how, how much they meant to each other, even if we didn't spend time seeing them happy together, it was such a big moment in this show. Um, I don't think I'm going to say anything else about, about it or go into the plot or anything, but the time travel is cool. All the serial killer stuff is cool. The whole show is great. And of course, Che Jin Hyuk is awesome. Um, I totally, I just suggest it. I think um, maybe even if it's not your thing, it's a really, really great drama. Um, and you should definitely watch it if you get the chance.
So the next drama that I'm going to talk about this week is The Moon Embracing the Sun, which is a, mm, a fantasy romance, historical drama, like a fusion saguk, I guess. And it actually came out in 2012, which is bonkers. I cannot believe it came out that long ago. I feel like it still kind of seems like a really big drama, like it still feels relevant, even though it came out quite some time ago. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, what I learned about this drama is that it is based on a book and also, uh, Kim Soo Hyun's role of Lee Hwan, who is of course, you know, the main character and the king and the main, you know, protagonist of the whole drama was actually initially cast, um, by, so Juwon was cast in that role, uh, the actor Juwon, but he had to drop out at the time because in the end it was a scheduling conflict, which is really, really interesting because um, Kim Soo Hyun, I, I hope I'm not wrong about this, but I feel like this was the next sort of big drama he chose after doing Dream High. And Dream High was really the drama I think that he just, you know, he really was a standout performance. He started having a lot of buzz, but I would say that it was probably this drama, The Moon Embracing the Sun, that really solidified him as one of the most famous drama actors in Korea. Um, obviously, he does movies now a little bit too, but when you think about it, you know, some Korean actors and actresses will, you know, they will act in at least one drama a year, if not multiple dramas a year. Whilst I think Kim Soo Hyun is very, you know, he's not in dramas very often. He turns up once every multiple years and yet he's still so solidly famous. And I think a lot of that has to do with this drama. You know, it was a mega hit. It was massive on an insane scale, which I think is quite fun for, you know, a saguk as well. Um, you know, in my country, on top of the fact that we can't seem to make any good TV shows at all, which is pretty depressing when you think about it, um, you know, historical stuff set in my country is not like mainstream. People aren't interested in our history. Um, and also, you know, we have a pretty awful sort of colonial history of genocide so perhaps that's why people kind of don't want to kind of look into that you know dark bloody history but I guess um I guess I find it cool and interesting that you know modern Koreans can you know are so behind their history and so fascinated by their own history and culture and celebrate it through you know popular media like a show like this I think that's a really awesome thing um, I guess I'll also say about this show that the cast is absolutely fucking stacked. Like it has the who's who of everyone that ever existed. And that is like, I'm, I'm not even going to mention all like the older generation uh, ladies and dudes who are in this, you know, that are in every single drama ever in the whole world. But of course, there's Kim Soo Hyun, there's Jung Il Woo, there's Song Jae Rim, um, Han Gaen, um, and then also for the young cast, so like the original kind of, you know, all the main characters when they were kids, Kim Yoo Jung, Yo Jin Goo, <laughs> and Kim uh, So Hyun. So not Kim Soo Hyun, Kim So Hyun. So Kim So Hyun is now like, she's my ultimate favorite actress. I love her so much. And, uh, you know, I watched this drama, it must have been in 2012. I don't know. Maybe I saw it after that. Um, and you know, she's a baby in this and also she's the antagonist and you know she's obviously gone on to be such a wonderful leading actress um 
it's interesting to think of her as the antagonist. And um, the actor Yo Jin Gu uh, is obviously so massive now as well. He was um, just in, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Hotel de Luna, how embarrassing, which is, you know, one of the biggest hits of 2019, which I have not actually seen yet. Um, but this drama also has, um, for the kind of younger counterparts, Im Shi Wan uh, and Yi Won Gun. So absolutely stacked. Like, um, I might not know all of these actors and actresses by their names, but certainly I know them all by their faces. And most of them have, you know, particularly that younger generation have gone on to be, you know, leading actors in heaps of different dramas so yeah that's pretty interesting okay I don't think I'm gonna like get into this whole drama hugely but basically you know there's a king and he's in love with someone and they can't be together and all sorts of traumatic sort of slightly fantasy things happen um for me watching it I was very very excited about this drama um I obviously I love historicals I love anything about Korean history but particularly this you know I know this is a fantasy it's not based on real kind of politics or anything but um I was I just couldn't wait I was very excited and also I I was a massive, massive fan of Kim Soo-hyun. So not Kim Soo-hyun, as I am a massive, massive fan of her now, but back then, because Dream High was the very first drama I ever watched, and Kim Soo-hyun's performances in that as um, Sam Song-dong, Song Sam-dong? Yeah, Song Sam-dong. Um, you know, I just adored him after seeing him in that role. He was probably... Him and Susie were my two first ever favorite actor and actress, I suppose. And so obviously when I saw that Kim Soo Hyun had been cast as the lead role, the king in this drama, I was so on board to watch it. Um, I didn't really know, I think back then, much of the other cast, um, but I you know, got to know them a lot since this drama came out because they're also madly famous. But I do know that the lead actress in this, Han Ga-in, she is quite a famous actress, apparently. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else other than this, other than this drama. And to be honest, I she just didn't connect with me. I just didn't like her. And uh, I didn't not enjoy this drama, but there were, I guess, two things that stood in the way for me for getting like really into it that really the really I guess hampered my enjoyment of it and stopped me loving it and it was a real shame because I, I honestly feel like it had every ingredient that puts it on my list of you know dramas to watch like I should have loved this drama I should have fucking adored it like it's a fantasy romance it's set in the Joseon dynasty it starred Kim Soo Hyun um you know it's a it's a tragic Korean historical romantic fantasy like what is not to love about that but unfortunately for me um one thing that I didn't love was Han Ga-in who you know was the main actress in this whole drama I just never warmed to her and I think part of that is because you know quite often when you watch historical dramas you know they'll have the childhood portions and the kids will be very young and you know maybe you get them for one or two episodes but this drama I'm pretty sure has them for something like six episodes and to be honest after six episodes I was fully behind Kim Yoo Jung so the younger actress who played the main character when she was young Kim Yoo Jung of course has gone on to be in you know very famous and you know great performing dramas and I think she is just 
you know, in this, she's very young. She's absolutely adorable. And she has just become such an incredible, beautiful young woman. And I always will go check out her dramas. I think she's absolutely awesome. She's wonderful. And to be honest, I think she stole the show for me um, in the early section. And it's interesting because I remember after watching this drama, I was just obsessed with Kim Yoo Jung. I couldn't wait for her to be, you know, I guess get a bit older and start leading um, maybe like high school dramas. And, you know, because I love those kind of youth coming of age romance stories and I couldn't wait for her to start appearing in them. But in the end, interestingly enough, it wasn't really her that for quite a long time was doing that. It was Kim So Hyun who plays, you know, the little mean girl in this. And I didn't like her at all in this drama and yet she has just utterly won me over since then um and because I, I think I liked um Kim Yoo Jung's performance as the young main character Wall her name is uh when after about six fucking episodes or whatever it transitions into the older actress Hung In I just didn't find her charming at all and I felt like it was a I felt so separated from this new version of Wall that I couldn't relate that character Wall to her younger counterpart. I didn't feel like it was the same character. I felt like it was a completely new, different person that, you know, they were trying to just shove in my face and I just couldn't warm up to her. So I don't know if that's just me or, you know, what was going on, but I, I had a real issue in just sinking into it once the adult section started. And I remember loving the childhood portion of this. Like I was mad into it. It was really good. And even though, you know, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, whoa, when's Kim Soo Hyun going to turn up as the older king? Like I couldn't wait. Um, but then when it happened, I just, the drama didn't gel for me as much as it had um, during that kind of younger stage. So I was really, really surprised. It wasn't something that I expected to feel. I thought I would just adore the whole thing. Um, when I think about it too, I think the other main reason that I didn't end up loving this drama is a personal taste issue. So nothing to do with the drama's quality whatsoever, um, but just something that I've realized about myself and my personal tastes when it comes to stories, um, you know, to Korean drama stories that are historical. And what it is, is that I do not like it when the absolute main character is like a king <laughs> and this is because you know if the drama is set in say the Joseon dynasty and they're trying to be true to the era of the Joseon dynasty if the main protagonist is a king he will never ever be without his main eunuch in waiting dude who follows him around and his fucking 40 courtiers and his a thousand you know court ladies follow him around so like every time he needs to go for like you know a thoughtful stroll in the garden and he, he's out there and he's having a think and being romantic he's got like literally fucking 50 people trailing him going Jonah Jonah at every fucking second and it like it drives me completely bonkers and I don't actually normally have a problem. Like if a drama is about heaps of different things, you know, obviously most of the historicals will have a king character and I, I don't have a problem with, you know, that at all. But I think it's when they're the main character and it's meant to be a romance and I'm meant to be engaged in a romance 
And every single romantic scene or private moment or private conversation, they're literally surrounded by 40 million people or, you know, they're in Kim Soo-hyun, you know, the king's bedchamber and you literally know that the wall is made of paper and on the other side of it is 60 people listening in to their conversation. And I'm just like, yuck, that's gross. I don't like it. And I think it's because... I think it's because it's a romance and I don't find that romantic. <laughs> I don't find an audience romantic. I think um, personally, I don't even like, you know, big gestures and I, I don't like any of that kind of stuff. Like if there's other people around, just don't do it. Wait till it's private. And then I just find, I guess I find romantic things so much more romantic when they are small scale and private and kept between the people. You know, I don't really like the idea of it of including other people in a romance. And I mean, that's such a personal thing, like utterly a personal taste issue. And it's not something that I understood. I think at the time that I was watching this, I was just watching it. I'm like, why the fuck don't I enjoy this? Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I should be loving this show and I'm not. But since I've watched it in the, you know, the many years since, I've noticed that every single time a K-drama rolls around and the main character is a king and a king for the whole drama, you know, I don't mind if they stop being a king for a bit and run off into the countryside or they're a king warrior and they're at war or, you know, all the other things that kings can do. But if they're a king and they are solely pretty much the whole drama just hanging out in the palace and they have 50 people following them around every fucking where they go, then, and if you're trying to shove a romance down my throat while those 50 people are looking on and going, Jonah, then I'm out. I just can't do it. I don't like it. And I don't find it romantic. So I have learned that from other dramas that I've watched. So now I can kind of look back in hindsight on this drama, The Moon Embracing the Sun, and kind of see, ah, okay. So that's why, that's why I didn't find it romantic. Um, on top of not liking the main female actress, I couldn't get behind the romance for that other reason as well because he was a king and yeah, it's just not for me so I, I definitely you know gosh I would imagine that anyone listening to this podcast who is a big k-drama fan has probably already watched this show and if so like maybe you completely loved it which of course is utterly awesome if you did that's great <laughs> um it's such a personal taste issue for me that I just think it didn't work for me and I was really really disappointed because Really, it should have. It had all the right ingredients. Um, but, you know, if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, I hope that my little waffle about it doesn't put you off because I think it, it probably is a really good drama. And I just had absolute personal taste issues with the actress and the whole King thing. And if that's not something that you would feel, then you'll probably fucking love the show. Um, I think, you know, it's obviously very sumptuous and well-made and it looks good and the characters are interesting. There's a big, you know, epic tragedy and there's a love triangle and there's all sorts of shit going on. Like it's, it's very, I think it's a really good show to watch. Um, and I think that's probably evident from the fact that I adored the, that childhood portion so much. Like I loved it. I was so moved and touched by it. And I think that goes to show that it, it is a really good drama. But once the flash forward came and all the characters grew up, it just didn't connect with me personally anymore. So I definitely don't think it's bad. Um, so if you haven't seen it, I would say still give it a go. And that's it for me from uh, or for The Moon Embracing the Sun. That's, I think, all I'm going to say on that one.
So for my random thing this week, I wanted to talk about another personal taste thing in my viewing habits. I think it's very interesting that obviously everyone, you know, who is K-drama obsessive um, loves them, but we probably all love them for different reasons and also maybe have different things that we kind of pick out of K-dramas that we really, really adore and maybe, you know, appreciate or sometimes even notice. Um, And I know that, you know, the longer that I've been watching, K-dramas, the more I've sort of started to understand my tastes, I suppose, and understand the things that I like and that kind of stuff. So I've talked about that a lot on the podcast when I'm, you know, talking to you guys about, you know, maybe fucking hating turtleneck sweaters and, you know, loving it when the guys in Sargorks actually grow their hair long enough to pull up at the back, which I might mention Wudo Huan has actually done in currently airing K-drama My Country, which, you know, I always just think that's really cool because it doesn't pull me out of the K-drama all the time. And I'm like, hey, you've got a modern hairstyle under that gat. Um, But anyway... I think my random thing for this week, I wanted to talk about the height difference. (laughs) So I've noticed, it's interesting, right? So I personally love it when a female lead in a drama is miniature compared to, say, the guy who has her main romantic interest and he's insanely tall or insanely big or whatever. Um, And it's interesting because I've seen in comments that a lot of other people love that too. So obviously it's quite a common thing to... I guess really get a kick out of watching a romance um, that has that element in it, like just as an added element to that romance. It's something that I really enjoy. And I guess one of the reasons why it's maybe kind of on my mind at the moment is I've been watching the 2019 drama Extraordinary You. So Extraordinary You is a kind of youth romance high school drama. Um, I'm definitely going to talk about it on the podcast podcast in the future because I'm just fucking loving it. It is utterly charming but in that drama the height difference is insane to the point where the guys in it look so tall compared to the main female lead it's kind of crazy I don't know if (laughs) if they really are as tall as they look or she's just probably miniature Um, but I guess it's an interesting thing to me particularly that I like it so much and that other people like it so much um I guess for myself, because I'm actually, I've mentioned this once on the podcast before, but in real life, I'm actually, you know, I'm a very tall person. Um, In my country, a lot of people are really, really tall. So I don't always feel like, you know, crazy tall, but sometimes I do. I tend to make friends with people that are really short for some reason. And then I end up feeling, you know, massively tall. So I'm not too sure what my, (laughs) what my point was. Um, except that, yeah, it's, it's something that I enjoy to watch. I really do. Um, I find it very charming and I do wonder if, part of it like as a woman I wonder if it's it's nice to sort of you know you like that height difference because it makes you feel small and dainty or makes you feel petite I don't know what that is um obviously you know I'm tall so I don't often feel petite and small so maybe you know it's part of that charm the idea that you know if you're with someone and they're loads taller than you that maybe that's the appeal I don't really know it's kind of something I haven't really examined and it's probably something I don't care about that much in real life as well but when I when I watch a k-drama it's something I really notice and I really enjoy particularly in a romance 
which is quite interesting when you think about it. Um, but I also think that so many things about K-dramas that I love are probably things that I don't so much love in real life. And I think that would be particularly when it comes to, you know, romances. I've mentioned loads of time how much I enjoy romances, you know, in terms of stories. It's just an element of stories that I particularly have an affinity for and really, really enjoy, particularly, you know, in relation to Korean dramas. Um, but in real life, I wouldn't want any of the things that I like from K-dramas to happen in real life to me. Like, you know, it's, it's a fantasy, I suppose, that kind of stuff that you can enjoy about romances or height differences, all that kind of stuff. You know, I think it's just an element of escapism, really. Um, yeah, so that was a really, really random, random thing of the week. Although I kind of feel that all my random things of the week are very random. And I suppose that's the point. So there you go.